Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. All right, guys. Um, I'm your host, Tom Caffarella. Welcome back to another edition of the Agent Investor Podcast. I've got Kyle Craig. Uh, like we had talked about, Kyle, um, you're one of the, the first people who I've ever had locally in my market. And we were talking a little bit about um, what you've done on the investment side. And you mentioned Braintree. And I'm like, wait a second, Braintree Mass? And uh, yeah, so um, for those of you who know me, I'm in the greater Boston market and Kyle is as well. So I want to get started with kind of like your story about how you got involved in real estate to kind of begin with. Okay. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it started probably about, I would say three and a half years ago. I've always been interested in real estate properties, investing, all that stuff. But uh, I had a couple of really solid mentors growing up, um, all of which are very, very heavily involved in real estate and investing, developing all that fun stuff. Um, and it just, uh, I caught the bug uh, three and a half years ago, bought a place in Rockland, two family uh, investment property. And um, I lived in it very, very briefly. Uh, but since then I've had renters in there and I realized how solid of an investment it really would be um, when everything was getting paid for with the mortgage and then also getting some proceeds after the facts, it was real solid investment. So um, I got my license to practice real estate um, actually probably about a year ago now. And uh, it's been it's been a great experience thus far. But uh, you mentioned the property in Braintree, uh, just closed on that um, in the end of June, June 25th, we closed. Nice two family over near, uh, if you're familiar with Braintree, over near the Hollis Elementary School. Um, great little neighborhood over there. It's going to be another really solid investment property. I'm very excited about it. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much the timeline. Uh, I've always really been, I've been very interested in it for sure for a long time, but um, yeah, put the foot to the pedal about three and a half years ago. So at what age, I mean, you said you kind of, did you say you like grew up in the business? Like who in your family was involved in the real estate business? So I have a cousin um, that he was heavily involved in, uh, he was, he was, Buying a lot of, um, I'd say probably single family homes uh, around the Brockton area, Brockton, Easton, that area. Uh, he bought a ton probably starting about 20 years ago and just accumulated a, a real solid portfolio. Um, and by the time I got out of college in like 2014, um, I gravitated toward him because I realized the success he's had. He has a wealth of knowledge. I, I would really learn a ton from him in just a five minute conversation. So that relationship blossomed from that point on. And he's been a really great mentor from that point on. And uh, he's, he's involved heavily in development now. So his, his path is his trajectory is in a very, very high astronomical level right now. So he's a good guy to uh, be able to call at any moment's notice. Nice. So you graduating in 2014 and it sounds like, so you didn't jump right into real estate. What did you do before real estate? Uh, sales. So very similar, uh, same field, but I did sales. I did pharmaceutical sales. I did medical device sales, um, IT sales. It's, it's one of those things where um, being a salesperson certainly helps. 
uh, with a position that allows you to be uh, versatile with your conversations with different people, allowing you to really blossom different relationships and make sure you understand kind of what the other person really needs, mm -hmm. uh, not kind of what you want them to need. It's more so what they need, get what they, they're actually hoping for and move forward in a really uh, efficient manner. Yeah. Cool. So you did that for a while and then what made you decide? I mean, I know you said that you have, you know, your cousin who's actively involved in the business and that got your wheels turning, but like for you, what kind of made the decision for you to go into real estate? So it was the day after I closed uh, for my, my house in, Bro in Rockland. Uh, it was a two family in Rockland. And the day after I closed, I looked at the, um, the closing disclosure and mm -hmm. I, I go, wow. Okay. So that's, that's what the agents make. And yep. what's it take to become an agent? What's it take to uh, get the licensing? How much studying is involved? I, I went through the whole process and realized I, I don't really know any real estate agents that are like friends of mine, colleagues. I mean, I've the real estate agent I worked with on that deal was a friend. Don't get me wrong. But someone that is my age, someone that's in my circle of friends. So I realized this, this is a huge opportunity to really make, make some money here. At the same time, um, if I'm able to really become a master um, of, of this field, really help people both close to me, people in my family, um, friends. I mean, it's something that it's a really, really powerful tool having a license in real estate and I'm certainly taking advantage of it. So that first deal that you did, um, there's a two family in a pretty decent town. Was that something that you bought completely as an investment or did you live in one of the units as well? I lived very, very briefly in that unit. Um, so I bought it basically as a two family. Um, it was a really solid price that had been sitting for a long time. I had been watching it for about a hundred days. This is back three and a half years ago. So obviously the market's a lot different back then. Um, <laughs> it doesn't seem that long ago now, but at the same time, it was very different than now. So um, I got the price I wanted, the purchase price I wanted. I was able to pull the trigger on it. And then day one, I lived in it for about, oh, she's uh, probably about a month while I was renovating. And then I found a tenant to come in and really uh, allow for a real solid situation when it came to the finance situation. The now, now, how did you learn like whether it would be a good investment? I, well, I guess back it up for a second. So you lived in there temporarily. Was yep. that your your objective like on day one was just to live in there temporarily or did you say like, I'm going to live in here and and help pay the mortgage? Um, it was it was this ladder, the ladder of that. So I, I realized um, based off of what the monthly payment was going to be, I, I boiled it all down to that. I was very close with uh, the lender that I had used and I wanted to make sure that the monthly payment co-aligned with what I was going to be earning. Um, for the rental. So with that being said, I was only looking at while I lived there for about a thousand dollars, like $1,200 to live in a home that I had just purchased. That was a no brainer for me. Instead of renting a property for 1500 and not having money go to any equity or anything along those lines, I'm able to have someone else help me pay for that equity. So mm -hmm. while I was in there for about a month, I was also thinking as I was renovating, okay, I can get someone else in here too. Yep. And then on top of what I'm paying for the mortgage and paying down the mortgage and the equity and whatnot, I'm also able to make a little bit of money so that if there's any unforeseen things that do come up, say, for instance, like the heating and the plumbing going, I have that money in the rear to be able to pay for it, not come out of my um, my revenue that's generated from my profession. So it, it seemed like a really, really solid situation. And it turned out to be just that. Um, knock on wood, no major things had happened with that property. Uh, still haven't. I'm in the process of converting it from oil to gas, which 
can be a little pricey, but at the same time, it allowed me to be able to balance different things. Um, it's somewhat of a balancing act, but at the same time, once you become very familiar with it, you want to get the next one right away. So I had that bug. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so it sounds like you were cash flow positive, like right out of the gate after those day one. Yeah. Day one. Now, did, again, you went into it, not thinking you were going to do that, right? You went into it thinking you were going to live there. So like, like at what point, I mean, I guess it was just immediately that you realized that you just, you know, started as an investment, right? Yeah. I mean, I'll be completely honest. So when I bought the property, um, I realized what the cash flow could be. I yep. was naive enough to be like, oh, you know what? I think I can buy another one like right away because I had some capital left over. But at the same time, the buying power wasn't fully there. So I had to wait and, and accumulate more money, more funds uh, and be able to make sure that the revenue coming in was was uh, high enough where a bank would allow me to purchase another one. It took about two and a half, three years to be able to do that. Yeah. So like, you know, we talk a lot in this show about people having like hesitations about getting into investing or pulling the trigger on their first deal. Like, did you have any hesitations about doing that? Or was it like as simple as, wow, like I could live here, I could live cheaper. And it was just like, boom, and you were done and you were ready to do it. Yeah. I mean, I, some of the best advice um, that I got from my cousin, the, my mentor, uh, one of the things he said, was and it always plays back in my head you can never go wrong buying a house as an investment property you're never going to lose money mm -hmm. um and that gave me some comfort in the in the whole process now definitely had some hesitation but at the same time the more research i did the more numbers i produced i realized this is a great investment and in 30 years or however long it takes me to pay off the property it's going to be a cash flow and I'm going to have this huge bulk piece that I'm not going to have to rely on a, a retirement fund from a 401k. This is my retirement fund. I'm looking at it. It's a, it's a, it's a functional, useful tool that I could also live in too. So, I mean, that's the way I looked at it. There was a little bit of hesitation. I feel like that's normal with anybody, especially first time home buyer. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. You should do it. If you, if you have the funds to be able to pull the trigger, do it. Um, and go through the whole process full steam and learn as much as you possibly can read every contract, uh, read everything you could possibly do about the property, about uh, the whole process. And you'll come out on the other end wanting to buy another one. And so I'm assuming, so you did that with like a, a low down probably type of program, right? Very low. Yeah. I did FHA. I used FHA at the same time. I actually did uh, a two or three K loan, which is a whole different story. Um, rehab loan that uh, it ended up rounding out to about $30,000 worth of a loan, which I would have rather had in my savings account uh, in, in the case that maybe I was able to buy another property. <laughs> Uh, at the time, like I said, I was a little naive about that, but I learned, uh, but the 203k loan helped a lot because I got a new roof on the property, um, had to do a lot of different things like the back egress cost a lot of money, little niche things that needed to be done for FHA standards. Um, and it worked out really, really solid in my favor. I put, I think three and a half percent down. Um, and yeah, I've already, I refinanced out of that about a year and a half ago and the rates is ridiculous. I mean, I, I love it. It's, it's a real solid investment right now and knock on wood, no major issues. Um, and like I said, on to the next one. Yeah. I mean, it's a real simple example, but at the same time, like, you know, it's something that a lot of people don't take the first step to do. So, you know, you did it with a little money down, you did a 203k loan. And I know a lot of agents that are on the call probably know what a 203k loan is. Um, but did that, did that allow you, because, you know, there's, there's two different things. Like when we're talking about investing, like, you know, there's like the fix and flip model that I, I do a ton of where 
you need to get like such a discount on a home in order to make money. Mm-hmm. And then there's the buy and hold where like, it sounds like to me, and, and you know, it was three years ago, the market was a little bit different, but it was still hot three years ago. Yeah. So the, fa- so the fact that it needed work, did that allow you to get a deal on it? Yeah, it was, it was one of those things where I, I have, I have a few different things that I do as a real estate agent, especially now for my clients. Um, but I, I gravitate toward the properties that have been sitting for a while. I'm curious about them. I, I wonder why, why have they been sitting? What's the matter with them? Um, are there are certain loopholes that just need finessing. Um, uh, there are different areas that maybe my niche type of sales experience and also networking ability. Could I, could I get through those areas in order for my client or myself to be able to purchase the property at a much more discounted price? So that's, that's one of my approaches at the same time. I feel like right now um, the, with different properties, I tell all my clients the same thing. If you're looking at single family homes, I mean, it's obviously everyone knows it's a very hot market. I feel like with multifamily homes, there's plenty that are still out there that can be really, really solid income drivers. And I mean, there's still some really good deals out there. And I tell a lot of my clients that I've, I've worked with uh, now five different closings in the past six months that have been somewhat of an investment property. So, I mean, it's, it's a real solid market out there, I think for investment properties as well. So um, yeah. So, you know, you talked about like quickly the, um, the fact that you did a 203k and you kind of like alluded to some things that I guess maybe weren't great about it or that, you know, for you, it didn't work maybe as good as um, you thought, like, what were the issues that you had there? Um, with the 203k loan, it was one of those things where I didn't, I didn't do enough research on it. I can, I can easily admit that. Um, I wish I did a little bit more research. I wish I knew how much it costs to actually pull that rehab loan off, how much you're actually paying the bank rather than what you're putting into the house. So I think I ended up paying about like six grand or like seven grand more um, for the actual rehab loan to take place. And then on top of that, I also had to pay the money for the mortgage and the increase of whatever I was putting into the house. So that being said, I had the amount of money that I ended up using for the two or three K loan. I had that in my savings account. Kind of wish I used that cash instead, because um, obviously the mortgage would have been a little bit lower, um, and I would still have a decent amount of money left in my savings account from that six to seven thousand dollars that I actually paid for the two hundred three k loan to actually occur. So yeah, I is some hesitation toward that. If I could replay it, maybe I would have done that. But at the same time, it all worked out, um, and it and it turned out a really really solid way. And you need a good contractor. The contract is a big piece too. So yeah. Yeah. And so um, I guess like for somebody else that's considering doing a 203, like what advice would you give them? I would say if you can get a really, really solid discount on a home that needs a ton of work. um, And then also at the same time, just wrap into try to get a contractor that you're networked with that you trust, try to get them to be able to give you a solid idea, solid estimate as to how much work needs to be done. And then factor that into the mortgage, have your lender, whoever that is, talk to them, work out a monthly payment, what it would look like if you actually move forward with that property, purchase it, and then also put all of that money from the 203k loan into it. And then try to try to figure out from there if you're going to be able to pay that monthly mortgage and also have a decent lifestyle to, to match that. At the same time, if it's an investment property, multifamily, make sure that that rent that you would expect to come in is gonna cover whatever you're needing it to cover. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's pretty important. So you were able to buy that property for, for very little money down. 
put a little bit of money into it. It appreciated. And you said you were able to get all your money back out. Um, so I, I still own that property. Um, it's one of those things where it's when I refinanced it, um, it, the monthly payment drastically dropped and went from, I had a four, three, seven, five, and I forget what I even got. It's much lower than that now, but the monthly payment's fantastic. The revenue coming in beyond what the mortgage payment is per month is, is really solid. It allows me to free up a lot of, uh, home repairs and stuff that needs to be done, but I didn't end up pulling any of the money back. It's more so I was able to accumulate more savings throughout that course of time Mm -hmm. uh, prior to purchasing the new property that I just purchased. Okay. And what are you cash flowing now per month, roughly on that first deal? For, for, okay. Uh, The first property cash flow, uh, right around like 700, $700 a month. That's awesome. For three and a half years is actually really, I mean, I love it. It's a really solid solid setup. And anytime my tenants give me a call, I'm able to go right over there and use, use money from that investment to be able to put it right back into the house and accommodate whatever they need for need, whatever they need. Let's take a quick break from the episode to get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors. Join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. And so are you self-managing? Yes. Yes. I'm self-managing at this point. Um, I look at it with my timeline, at least my goals, uh, by the time in the next three years, I hope to have at least two, maybe three more. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I hit the five, five property mark, I feel like it's going to be a situation where maybe I, sh- I should hire somebody yep. uh, or maybe get someone like in my family involved, uh, so, so I can keep it in house. But, um, yeah, I have some solid plans for that as well, but it's just me at this point. Yeah. And a lot of people like that's another hesitation they have is like, managing the property. Mm-hmm. So from your experience, uh, you know, I'm making the assumption that you've never like managed before. Like, has it been like a pretty good, like easy process or has it been like something that you're like dying to, to give over to somebody else at this point? Um, it's, it's really good. I'm i uh, I'm very, very fortunate with, um, with my tenants. I have awesome tenants. Um, I honestly, I, I hear some horror stories, uh, unfortunately from different landlords, but from my perspective, my experience, I've had a really solid one thus far. Now, one of the things I could recommend to any of your listeners is if you're going through the process of actually purchasing that home, that multifamily, and there are tenants currently in there, um, if you have an opportunity to get a quick conversation with them and feel them out a little bit, um, I feel like that's important. At the same time, try to get an idea of what they've actually paid. Uh, Try to get some evidence that there is money coming in um, in that everything's pretty much on time and stuff. And I feel like a lot of the times if you're doing like a 20% down or something along the lines where you don't have to live there and it's just strictly an investment property, I mean, you can have really solid ground as the knowing what, what to expect moving forward, whether or not it's going to be an issue. So you bought that property, you saw what the agent made and you were like, I got to get my license. Um, pretty much now, did you jump? I mean, did you, decide to like continue to work your full-time job and be an agent at the same time? Or did you like decide, Hey, I'm just going to go all in and take the leap. Like, what did you do from there? So, uh, for me, I'm trying to think how, how long it took, but pretty much it would probably, I would say two to three months following that, that close. I'm like, I, let's figure this out. Like, let's figure out how to start the process. Um, I had a colleague at work, um, at my, at my, at my, um, my job over in, in Canton, 
And he was doing both. He was doing real estate. He was also doing the IT sales. So I figured, okay, let's, let's, let's rely on him for some information. He was really, really great guy. Uh, he was able to tell me kind of whole process, um, going into the classes, doing the 40 hours, getting that whole process done. Um, I ended up going to the class, doing it in two weekends, uh, 10 hours per day, Saturday, Sundays. And um, it actually took a while for me to actually get the license uh, passed, mainly because right after that test, I studied the book that was given to me. It was like thick. It was pretty thick, um, but it was it was a lot of information. I knew the book like the back of my hand. Um, I'll be completely honest. I knew it like the back of my hand. I was very very confident going into that exam and um, took the federal and the state with the PSI exams and uh, passed the state, failed the federal by two questions. Okay. Now, the federal, it's not, I, I try to tell as many people as possible, the more studying, the more quiz taking, uh, practice tests, that type of stuff, it's so important because the book isn't everything. And it, I kind of treated it like it was just the book. Um, long story short, it took me after feeling that about another year of, of being like, okay, let's figure this out. I don't want those 40 hours to expire. I don't want to waste the money that I just uh, spent on these classes and uh, started studying it again, except this time around, it was a lot of practice tests, a lot of quizzes, uh, podcasts, anything I could possibly do, even when I was like driving to get stuff going in my subconscious about kind of what was going to be on the test and uh, ended up passing and yeah, hit the ground running from there. So you went, did you go directly full-time at that point or? Uh, it wasn't completely full-time. No, no, no. I was, I was doing, I'm doing the other job and uh, it's, it's, it's solid with management and uh, it takes time to be able to do both. Yep. But at the same time, it's uh it's hundred percent doable, hundred percent doable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, you got your first one, your first investment deal underway. And then at the same time, you're building up your agent clientele and then you ended up buying another investment property. So how are you juggling all this stuff kind of at the same time? Um, it's fun. It's fun. It's a fun juggle. It's a fun problem. I mean, shouldn't say problem, but it's a fun uh, issue to have um, being able to actually see your money work for you after actually closing on a property and taking that money that you earned through the commission and putting it into an investment property that you just saw your client successfully close on. So it's, it's a real cool process. Um, but it's, it's time management. Uh, you, you get to put in the hours and, uh, the more, the more you get used to the process and you understand the process, the more knowledgeable you are, the easier it is to balance everything. That's how I look at it. If you're, if you're going to go in kind of half in half out, it's going to be difficult because there's a lot to do with, there's a lot going into it. And you got to understand the whole process. If you don't, then there's going to be a lot of snags on the way in there. So it's, yeah, you want to, you want to read as much as you can. You want to uh, focus on as much as you can, as far as investing and buying and selling and all that stuff. Pay attention. So, so would you say you're like plugged in all the time? Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. Pretty much all the time. I just tried taking a vacation to Mexico uh, two months ago and it was very, very difficult. Um, I, I, I wanted to leave my phone back and uh, I couldn't because I had, I had two deals in the, in the works under, under agreement. One was closing at the moment while I was there. And I also had my deal. Mm -hmm. So there was three deals going. It can be chaotic at times, but it's fun. It's fun. So it sounds like, I mean, maybe an understatement because you kind of said it a few times, but after you did your first investment deal, you almost immediately wanted to do another, right? Oh yeah. 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 hundred percent. I mean, I, 
right when I got that done, I'm like, this, this wasn't that bad. This really yep. wasn't that bad. Um, and I feel like once you go through that process and if you're like, you, you have so much knowledge from the whole process, it can take anywhere from two to four months. Mine was super sloppy. Um, that, that Rockland one, and it had nothing to do with my agent, it had nothing to do with the attorneys. It was more so the person that was selling it. Um, there was, there was some little things like a breach of contract. I don't need to get into it. It wasn't anything too crazy, but when I came out in the other end, I was unscathed and I had a lot of knowledge from the process. So I wanted to take that and be like, okay, let's, let's make this useful again, right away and make it a breeze going through the next one. And then I realized I didn't have the buying power right, right away. So I had to wait. Okay. So what, so what did you do? So you, you kind of immediately wanted to do your next deal and was, what was the strategy that you took in order to get that next deal? Like, did you do anything like other than just save up money or was it just a matter of saving up money for your next deal? More revenue streams. Uh, I just uh, tried to find more job, more jobs, more opportunities to make some more money, savings, um, investments, whatever I could possibly do to get more cash on hand. So I could have more buying power at the same time, whatever revenue is going to be coming in. Like I, I coach hockey at the same time. It's fun. That's actually my outlet, but I get paid at the same time. So that would add to my revenue power. Um, at the same time, there were other things that would pop in that I can make some extra money on. So uh, I focused on income. That was huge. Um, just because that allows you to have more buying power and more options. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, I had the, I didn't use it, but I had the equity in the, the first investment property to be able to use if I wanted to. Mm -hmm. uh, it just turns out I didn't have to right away. Awesome. So, and is that something in the future that you might tap? Yes. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at, I'm at, um, I think I'm at 20, like 25% right now, uh, equity. So I can definitely utilize it. Um, I was actually thinking about using it for, uh, for the place I just bought in Braintree, but I was able to pull it off without, without having to tap that yet. But um, I have a few different investments that are on the horizon. Actually one with my cousin, um, it's actually down in Brockton. He's, he's, he's amazing. He's a very, very solid developer. Uh, he's got a lot of things going and, um, and I'll probably be using some of that capital to jump into the next deal with him because it, it's definitely gonna be a successful one regardless. Nice. So your second deal, was that another one that you found on the MLS? Like, how did you find that deal? What did that deal look like? Yeah, that one was, um, that was definitely a little bit different, uh, more so because I knew it was a property that I was going to be living in um, and staying there for quite a bit of time, whether it's two years, four years, whatever. Um, it's at least going to be two years living in this one. So I knew the market right now was, was pretty hot and the prices was pretty high. At the same time, Braintree is a town where people pay a premium to live there. Taxes are lower. Uh, it's a beautiful town. There's a lot to do in the town. Uh, tons of resources. Um, it's a really solid area to buy. That being said, you're paying a premium for that. So mm -hmm. this property was a little bit different. The one, my first one was in, was in Rockland. It was, a, it was a lot different of a situation where Rockland, you can get a little bit better of a deal because it's a little bit further away, I would yeah. say. Um, but yeah, so the one in Braintree, it was a, it was a situation where I loved the property. It was much larger than the first one. Um, I knew I was going to get much more cash flow. Uh, people want to live in Braintree a lot. I shouldn't say a lot more, but more so than than Rockland, just based off of the job. If they work in, say, Boston, for instance, uh, it's right near the T. So I knew it was going to be really solid for any uh, tenants that are going to be living there that need to get into Boston if they don't want to drive. Um, and I, I just love the house. To be honest, I love the house. The neighborhood's beautiful. 
um, and the surrounding homes, if you go up like that past the area where it is, they're all million dollar homes. So um, it's, it's a really, really beautiful area. And I think it's a really solid investment. So, yeah, so it was a little bit different the second time through, but uh, same, same idea. And how many units is it? It's two, just two okay. units. Yeah. Up and down. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, you know, you've, you started your career, you're, you're doing sales, you're coaching hockey, you're doing all these things, right? Obviously you're putting in time, effort and energy. Like what's your investing and agent plan? Like, where do you want to be, say, two, three, four, five years from now? Two, three, four, five years from now. Um, as far as investing goes, I want to have at least five properties by the time I'm 35. So I'm 30 now. I turned 31, and I don't even know what the date is, the 5th. I turned I turned 31 on the 12th. So uh, by 35, I want to have at least five properties. Um, that's the plan. Uh, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm on track for that right now, especially with the year I'm having in the real estate. Um, so... I would like to just be 100% focused in on investing in real estate at that at that point. Uh, I would say two years, maybe three years from now. Uh, but yeah, I would say five years from now, own five properties, uh, hire a property management team, then really take the next step uh, into into a really really high level uh, commercial real estate. I would say um, I have clients that are involved in commercial real estate, and and I see what they're doing, and it's and it's some amazing stuff. So I want to get involved in that as well. So what type of commercial stuff, like when people say commercial, like they talk about all different things, like what's yeah. kind of, you know, what, what would you love to be involved in? So for instance, um, we just closed, uh, one of my clients, we just closed on a, uh, a building, um, that was, it's 64 units. Uh, it's a, it actually used to be a hotel in Brockton. It is amazing. Absolutely amazing. But it's deemed residentially and commercial. So it has the 64 units, but it also has commercial space as a restaurant down in the basement, uh, since the basement first floor. It also has like a barbershop going right now. But I feel like with the commercial real estate, if you're able to have kind of both have a hybrid, you're able the creativity levels through the roof with what you can do with it. I feel like that the conversion, depending on what town you're in, if it's an emerging market, similar to how Brockton is, the leverage you could have working in those areas can be very, very fruitful on both sides, can be mutually beneficial for everybody involved. Um, so for instance, like uh, that hotel, that's a great idea, great concept. I love what my client's going to be doing with it. Um, at the same time, um, my cousin, who is also a developer, um, high, uh, high level developer, um, he's got a 24 unit residential uh, spot, but he also has commercial real estate that he's hopefully going to transition into residential units at some point based off of like demolition and also build up. Um, he's got a lot of, a lot of great plans. So I feel like with the commercial market, um, you're able to be very, very creative with it. And whether it's turning into residential units, condos, whatever that is, uh, whatever need be, I feel like that's a really solid strategy, but at the same time, there's a lot of open areas, I feel like, especially with COVID happening and all that fun stuff. Uh, it can, there's a lot of avenues that you can go with those commercial real estate spots, like whether it's a 2000 square foot area that could be turned into like a yoga studio or something along those lines. I, I want to get involved in that as well. So what's the biggest piece of advice that you could give to an agent who's been doing it for a while, who knows that they should be investing, but hasn't yet? Uh, read, read more than what you're reading right now. Even if you think you're reading too much, um, read as much as you can get as many books in any as possible, learn from people that have done it. Uh, I think that's the most important uh, resource you can get people that have actually done it, people that have failed at doing it. Uh, I feel like you learn a lot more from them 
um, because obviously you're going to feel uh, going through the process. I mean, I've made plenty of mistakes in the past three and a half years that I wish I didn't make, but at the same time you learn from it. Um, but yeah, just read as much as possible. And if you think something's too risky, uh, ask someone that's already done it and then get their take on it before you say no. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I, I just, yeah, I would read as much as possible. That's what I wish I did before three and a half years ago. Any yeah. books or, or audible or anything that you like have, have read or listened to lately that you'd recommend for somebody? Oh man. I mean, rich dad, poor dad. If you're thinking about getting into it, uh, if you're hesitant, read that book. I did. I can't make this up. Actually, my cousin, the the one that I've mentioned probably a million times, I love the guy. He's the best. Um, the day I finished, he told me to read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. The day I finished, I can't make this up. The, the last page I finished reading it. And then I drove to Rockland and I closed in the house. So it was, it was, it was weird, the timing, but that's a book that I would highly recommend to somebody that's trying to get into it. Uh, I've read Think and Grow Rich. I finished that about a month ago. That was probably the best book I've ever read in my life. Um, that was, that book was amazing. Um, there's a lot of good ones out there. There's a lot of good ones, but those are just two. Yeah. 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 Rich Dad, Poor Dad is like one of the ones that everybody mentions. And I've got a, a rich like Bible. Dad. Yeah. So what happened with me? So I, I grew up in Revere, which, um, you know, my some of my listeners might know where it is, but it's basically just an area outside of Boston. Uh, grew up poor. You know, everybody told me do good in school, get a good job, all that stuff. I was like a straight A student, not because I liked school, but because that's what I thought I needed to do. Yep. Um, and I was pre-med because I read in a book that doctors make the most amount of money salaried out of any profession. And I was three and a half years in to basically like going into medical school. I did everything I needed to do to get it to get in. And I was a pizza delivery boy driving around. And I throw in the rich dad, poor dad. It was a cassette tape in my 1999 Kia Sophia. And I'm driving around listening to rich dad, poor dad. And by the time I finished with it, I said, I don't want to be a doctor anymore. I want to get into business and I want oh, yeah. to own, own real estate. And that was like, it was, it was kind of interesting because I've got like a love hate relationship with the rich dad, poor dad company, because after I read that book, I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do stuff. <laughs> and I read like 15 other of their books and there's nothing else in their books other than basically like the, the motivation piece. Yeah. Really yeah. Teach you, and maybe this has changed, but back then, like this was probably like, Oh, three, 2003, 2004. It was just like all that mindset shift stuff. Mm -hmm. And I kept being like, Whoa, I got a mindset shift. Okay. I'm done. But like, what do I do next? Yeah. Like, for me, that was like the thing that like pushed me and propelled me to say, wow, like everything I was told and taught when I grew up isn't really true. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you start to get around other successful people, like you said, which was one of your other tips, like you find out that, that the people that are super successful in business uh, financially are all kind of doing things that are of the mindset of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. So okay. it was definitely a paradigm shift for me. And, uh, you know, I can definitely echo the, the getting educated stuff because, you know, there's, there's a saying that, you know, I always say the more you learn, the more you earn. And um, I didn't make it up, but I stole it and I use it a lot. <laughs> uh, it's, it's definitely true. So cool. Well, um, you've got a great story. I'm definitely excited to see kind of like what you do in the future. Obviously you're in my market, so I'll probably bump into you at some point. Um, but I want to thank you obviously for taking the time out to share your, your information with, um, you know, everybody who's here and, um, 
again, thank you for taking the time. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank All right, you. guys. Again, Tom Caffarella, Agent Investor Podcast. We'll be back next week with another guest. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening to Agent Investor. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. And stay tuned for the next episode of Agent Investor.